Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. On the programme this week, two very different stories, but they could each be termed as turning a full circle. We'll hear the final part of the story of husband and wife Adam and Cathy Thomas, and we'll be celebrating the circle of life of a popular and respected clergyman. But first, let's share some music by British composer Bernadette Farrell, who's written some of the most beautiful and meaningful hymns of recent years. This is one of them. O God, you search me and you know me.
God, You Search Me and You Know Me, written by Bernadette Farrell and sung by the Frank Brownstead Choir. Last week, we met Cathy and Adam Thomas, both raised and actively involved in the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, so deep was Adam's commitment to his faith that, as a young man, Adam went to study for ordination as a Roman Catholic priest. It was whilst he was training that he met and fell in love with Cathy. Knowing that he couldn't be married and be a priest, Adam left the seminary and married Cathy. In the years that followed, they had two sons. Cathy rose in her chosen profession and became a head teacher, and Adam had a series of jobs with charities and overseeing some major building works in the Manchester area. But all the time, both continued to be deeply committed to their faith. After a long period of working particularly hard, when they felt that they scarcely had any time for each other, they decided to relocate to the Isle of Harris, where they'd had many happy holidays and where they felt they'd find a better work-life balance. Cathy had been offered a job as head of the primary school on Harris, and Adam found that he could combine working from home with occasional commutes back to Manchester. But a small but vocal group of islanders couldn't accept Cathy and Adam's religious beliefs, nor the fact that they were incomers. And very sadly, after three years, they left the Isle of Harris and returned to Lancashire. Here's Adam to take up the story. The job Cathy got when we came back was as a head teacher in a Church of England school, in a faith school. And uh, we were going to a church in Preston with a beautiful priest, Father Peter Dolan. He was in his 80s and he became my best friend. By this point, I worked for the Lake District National Park, built a first jetty on Windermere in 100 years. But watching the work with Cathy and being involved a bit with what she was doing, the call to priesthood and being a married priest, well, for me it was, am I still called to priesthood? Yes, still feel it. And if so, where? In which church? So I couldn't be a married Catholic priest. Could I be an Anglican priest? Would they have me, first of all? So we went away. Uh, Cathy had a big birthday and uh, we went away to Rome and we went to the catacombs in Rome, uh, the San Callisto. And when we came up from there, it was the middle of the day and we sat down. We we're having a bit of a chat. Then we were, had a bit of a quiet moment. Well, we, we'd been incredibly moved in yeah. the catacombs yeah. by what we'd seen. And one of the things that we'd seen that we'd found very moving was the first image of Christ with the lamb around his neck. We'd seen that in the catacombs. We'd been emotionally moved. Then we came out and sat down to kind of take that in and reflect on it. And a chap walked past in his late 20s, early 30s with a lamb across his shoulders. For us, that was a sign. And that kind of, that was a real moment. So it was, can we do this? Should we do this? And then to go home to talk to the boys about it, one of whom was just going to university, the other one still had a few years left to say, what do you think? You know, and their response was, Dad, this is who you are. This is, this is the right thing. This is what we think you should be doing. So I gave up my job with the Lake District National Park. I'd approached the Church of England. I have to say they said no to start with. In fact, they said no twice. It was the third time before they said yes. Part of the interview process, the then Bishop of Blackburn said, tell me about your faith and about the Catholic Church. I said, well, I don't feel like I'm leaving, although technically I, I, I have to. 
I feel like I'm adding something to it. It feels like I'm gaining something. I still feel very Catholic. I'm very grateful for that side of me. And um, our boys are still Roman Catholic. So they accepted me to train and they wanted me to do an MA as well. I was training and working. So I had placement in churches. I was doing an MA. I was doing a course part-time, like the Open University type course. And I worked as a consultant on um, some major projects but I also work for the MS Society looking after the north of England and, and the Isle of Man actually for the MS Society while someone was on secondment which is a lovely job to do. Working, studying and on placement gave me a real understanding I think about the commitment that people make in their faith. You know we ask a lot in church life of people. They work, they have families and then they volunteer and they are asked to do all sorts of things. I trained for three years and it was one of the hardest times of our life. I had brilliant people training me, very grateful. Um, Reverend Brian McConkie was our vicar and is now my best friend. I had to bury my friend Peter Dolan who died. In fact, I went to see him to tell him that uh, this is what I was going to do and he said, what's taking you so long? (laughs) What's taking you so long? A beautiful response. He had a very good relationship with an Anglican bishop, Bishop Cyril Ashton. So we became friends. That network grew. The privilege of that whole community, of that Catholic church still supporting us. Loved the training, although it was very hard, and then took up my curacy in Lytham St. Anne's, which for somebody that loves golf is a bit of a fine to be in Lytham of course the truth is I didn't get to hit a golf ball for 18 months because ministry is full-on beautifully full-on wonderfully and the community there accepted us with such love and open arms and my training vicar there was somebody that perhaps many of you listeners might know too is the Reverend Nick Wells who had been the vicar at Onken. Cathy, in in all of this, obviously, you would give Adam every possible support while he was working so very hard. But did you see that there was a happiness and a contentment in him that made everything worthwhile for you? Yeah, there was that sense that I'd met him when he was training to be a Catholic priest. That was the man I met. That was the man I fell in love with who had that kind of emotional, who had that, that calling. So we were so blessed that he was in a position where we were able to see that fulfilled. There was also the point, however, that he was clearly getting his own back because he'd been the head teacher's husband for many years. <laughs> so now it's my turn to be the vicar's wife. <laughs> so you know, it was kind of, there was a little full circle there, really. <laughs> so the roles may have been reversed in that way, but still more change was on the horizon. But this was not to involve a church, but a place called Worley Abbey, a retreat centre in the Ribble Valley in Lancashire. The diocese was having a real problem with Worley Abbey. It was losing lots of money. The staff were all about to be made redundant. Covid had hit. Worley Abbey needed help. My business background was obvious in a way to offer some of that help. And so I approached the diocese to say, would you like me to have a little look at it for you? And they said, yes, please. I did have three business plans, one to sell, one to leave it alone and one to eventually reopen it as a retreat house like here. I researched all the retreat houses in the UK and many of them were very generous, sent me lots of details. And eventually the diocese said yes, they were going to do it. That wasn't their first inclination. They had got so out of love with it and they didn't believe anything could be done with it for totally understandable reasons. People had watched it fail over a period of time and watched staff work really hard and it still fail. Why should it succeed now? You know, there's no magic cure to these things. But actually, they took a leap of faith eventually. And Cathy and I had both felt this was a time 
for us to bring both our skills to work together. Kathy was thinking about early retirement before COVID hit, but had made the decision to see it through COVID. Kathy's school was open seven days a week all through the time, all through the holidays, and still teaching all the children that were home. I've never seen her so drained by it all and making decisions at the time without much background. So the decision was that we would go to Wally Abbey. I'd become the director, as it's called there, the equivalent of the warden. And we would start from scratch there and that Cathy would come alongside as a volunteer a volunteer when she retired, which would be within the first six months of us arriving. I call myself the bog off, buy one, get one free, because that, that was how it was <laughs> for us when we got to Woolly Abbey. And initially, although I'd always worked very hard as a head teacher doing a job I absolutely adored, when we started, we reopened with no staff. We had a gardener and, uh, and a caretaker for a few hours. But we were doing everything. So it was kind of 70, 80 hour weeks. But that sense for us to work alongside each other in God's work was a really lovely opportunity, wasn't it? After having kind of had our faith being central to our life and our work, to be working alongside each other was lovely. I kind of just filled every gap that I could until staff were appointed. And then I do have to admit, though, I will admit to my weakness, I'd been a head teacher for 25 years by that point, And I was used to saying what happens and I'll call the shots and my decision's final. And he had to keep you know, putting his arm around my shoulder and go, it's not for you to make these decisions. <laughs> yeah, anybody that's retired from any job knows how hard that, particularly that first year of retirement is. When you've retired from a job where you have responsibility... It's doubly hard and many people listening will perhaps reflect on that. We didn't quite have strategic days at home where we were discussing what was going on and she'd get the flip charts out, but she was still uh, institutionalised at 10.30. If she didn't have a coffee and a biscuit, then there was trouble. But it was hard. It's really hard. Yeah, that, that, the transition from, from working to not working, it's much harder than I think anybody is prepared for. You had a five-year plan mm. for Wally Abbey, didn't yeah. you? Which you happened to have managed to finish two years early, haven't you? Yeah, we set a business plan and wanted to make sure we could achieve it. It had never met it, its financial targets in 100 years. So that was a, both a mental block for some people in the diocese. And so it was really important to me that, that, that they were confident with what we were able to do. Actually, the growth was much quicker than we expected. The demand was much higher. Um, people needed a place that they could come to, where they could talk, where they could be healed. And this was right across the board. This is people of no faith. This is senior clergy. We all need somewhere that we can escape to. Uh, we call it a place of cloister. Uh, separate place that away place that still point of the turning world where we can encounter something that speaks to us of things that are eternal that speaks to us of the things that call us that perhaps people sometimes recognize in a long forgotten song as we say so it touched a nerve at just the right time health and care workers needed a place to come to and so the growth was huge and much quicker than we'd anticipated. It meant we worked ridiculously hard because we weren't employing the staff quickly enough. That's the truth of it. And by September last year, great team of staff that we employed and volunteers, we were able to get to a position where it was running itself, that that team was, was running it by September last year. I went from cooking every meal and cleaning every room to just being able to support those who were doing it from then on in. But it had taken its toll on us. So the effort to get it there, I was exhausted and Cathy hadn't had a chance really to imagine what retirement might be. She'd gone from working 60 hours a week to working 80 hours a week and just not being paid for it. And health-wise, I was beginning to show lots of the 
signs of stress. I could feel something going wrong in my chest and eventually ended up in hospital just before Christmas last year where they thought I'd had a heart attack. And a doctor said, no, I need to tell you it's, it's stress and you need to do something about this. So I thought two or three days off would do the trick and then found out that wasn't the case. And as this year had progressed, things are going so well. The community is developing around it. The next stage needs someone to commit themselves to probably five years there now to take this huge growth and then stabilise it and, and move it on. And I realised that probably wasn't going to be me. We had sold our house when I became a curate, so that's an odd feeling. The church gives you accommodation, but it's not yours. We might be nomads, but there is something about having a base. I'd grown up in the Swansea in the Gower Peninsula in South Wales, and we couldn't afford to move back there, we discovered. Cathy said that Brittany was like where we'd grown up, beaches nearby, rural community, Celtic community, and we could get a lot more for our money. So we'd been to Brittany once. Been to France a lot. Been to France a lot. And um, Cathy's French is a lot better than mine, but I do more talking, just like the interview. So we were looking to buy a house that would be a, in a bolt hole, a holiday home, and eventually somewhere we might retire to. And we then said, why are we waiting? Um, uh, you know, the whole thing about the stress and strain on relationship. And we felt it was the right time to go. The right time for Woolly Abbey to get somebody in at the strong point and who could, who could shape it going forward the right time for us to take a breather and then see what God's got in store after that. And you are going to a property that's got a chapel in its grounds, a house that's livable in at the moment. I don't think you'll be taking much of a break. When we say take a break, we just mean do something very different. We have never been sit-arounders. Our relaxation, our motivation is to do things. And we've got all sorts of plans which we're not going to go for straight away. We're going to kind of just live in the house for a bit and, and feel it and see it over the sea seasons and then see where that takes us. Our eldest son thinks we're slightly mad. The youngest thinks it's a great idea and go for it. And we both feel both those ways at times. What does God want of us next? I don't know. But trusting in God. As a managing director, I used to think that I could control everything. Training to be a priest, you learn to let go. It's not that you don't plan things. There is a moment where you have to let God be God and stop yourself from taking on what's God's work, and then follow what God wants. It's the difference between surfing and trying to swim upstream. It's a lot more fun to surf than it is to swim against the tide. Learning to do that, spotting where God might be wanting to take you and listening to other people in that call. You know, many of our friends are not churchgoers, but actually I hear God speak through them really strongly at times. So for us, yeah, who knows what God wants next? You will go into this next stage with no titles, no roles, mm. no no defined responsibilities. Mm. So you may not get the coffee and biscuit half past ten, Cathy, and you might not be able to say, oh, I'm actually the director here. Yeah. And that's a, the lovely thing I'm looking forward to, that actually we'll just have time for each other again yeah. as well, having had uh, such busy lives and working as alongside each other all the time, but just that sense of... Sounds so corny, almost like when we first got together again. That kind of thrill again of just finding each other. And then, as Adam's just said, being open to God and his call 
knowing that in all our time, whatever has been put in our way, I never regret anything. That sense of, should we have gone to her? Should we have done everything we did? Absolutely. Only by living through those experiences do you actually become a more caring, understanding, compassionate person. So bring it on. We offer up our lives A living sacrifice Pouring out our gifts of thanks and praise This is your holy hill You call us high still Joining with all heaven to Thank you to Reverend Adam and Cathy Thomas. They loved their time here on the island and have promised to come back. I, for one, really hope they do, as I feel sure there will be more stories to come from this faith-filled couple. And now, time to reflect on a full circle of life. Reverend Alex Smith, a former vicar of St Thomas's here in Douglas, died recently at the age of 94 following a short illness. Alec was ordained in 1955 and served in the Diocese of Gloucester, Chichester and Salisbury. As an energetic young vicar, he was always ready to try new ideas. He helped raise money for a much-needed restoration of his new forest church by growing potatoes and another parish was supported by the annual sale of Christmas trees. After his time in parish ministry, Alec served in the Royal Army Chaplain's Department for just under 20 years. Moving to the Isle of Man to take up his appointment at St Thomas's, he continued his military connection as chaplain to the Royal British Legion here. Music was always important to Alec. He was a fine singer and an accomplished organist. For a time, he was organ advisor to the diocese and continued to enjoy singing with the All-Ireland Choir, Voces in Shulai. Alec's musical background and strong pastoral skills made him an obvious choice to serve as the Actors' Church Union chaplain with special responsibility for those working at our Gaiety Theatre. Alec and his late wife Jean offered hospitality from their home and provided much-needed care to those often away from home for the first time. Alec's many friends speak of how they will remember him with admiration, affection and gratitude and for his ability to tell a great story. In looking for a way to pay tribute to Alec, I thought we could do no better than to return to the Thanksgiving Evensong, which was celebrated in St Thomas's Church in the summer of 2005 to mark the 50th anniversary of Alec's ordination to the priesthood. The prayer is led by the Right Reverend Graham Knowles, Bishop of Sodran Man at that time, and the music is by the combined choirs of St Thomas and Kirkbraddon under the direction of Graham Kirkland. 
The organist is Dr Roy Massey, a lifelong friend of Alex, who, at the time of Alex's anniversary, was president of the Royal College of Organists and who travelled to the island specially to play at the service. We give thanks for the priestly life, work and ministry of Alec. We give thanks for his time at King's College London, for his ministry in the Diocese of Gloucester, Chichester, Salisbury and Soder and Man, for his time in Her Majesty's forces, for his work with the British Legion, his work with the Diocesan Advisory Committee on this island, and for his work in music. All things that come to us are a gift of God. We give thanks that Alec has recognized that and used these gifts for the glory of his Maker and his Redeemer. Lord Christ, your last word to your disciples before you left this earth was that they should go and preach the gospel in all the world and to every nation. We praise you for all who since then have obeyed your command. Help us to be your witnesses today. Show us how to make the good news meaningful to our own generation and in our own communities. And may its power be seen more clearly in our lives. For the honour and glory of your great name. Amen.
Remembering Reverend Alex Smith with words and music from the Thanksgiving Evensong to celebrate the 50th anniversary of his ordination, recorded in St. Thomas's Church in 2005. A private funeral took place earlier this week, and there'll be a memorial service in St. George's Church here in Douglas in October. I'll let you know the details of that as soon as I have them. And now it's notice board time. A little quieter than usual during this holiday time, but still plenty to enjoy. On Tuesday morning, there's another coffee morning in Sandygate Chapel, open from 10am until 12 noon. In addition to drinks and cakes, there'll be a raffle and all proceeds will benefit the Manx charity Wish Upon a Dream. On Wednesday evening, Karen and John Elliott and friends will be in concert in St Thomas's Church, just off the promenade here in Douglas. The concert starts at a quarter to eight. Admission and light refreshments are free and there's a chance to give to a retiring collection if you wish. And don't forget, there's coffee and chat in St Thomas's every Friday morning from half past ten. And do take another look at St Thomas's Flower Tower. It's still the most amazingly cheerful sight but it's only going to be in place until the end of August, so let's make the most of it while it's there. Also on Wednesday evening, there's another Summer Songs of Praise at St Adamnan's Lonnon Old Church. It starts at the usual time of half past seven, and this week will be led by Canon Philip Gillespie, who's making a very welcome return to the island for his summer holidays. On Thursday evening, there's another summer concert in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin, starting at a quarter to eight with refreshments in the church hall afterwards. And the music this week is provided by the Castletown Metropolitan Silver Band. And whilst admission is free, a little donation to the collection as you leave would be much appreciated. There'll be MGPTs in Bride Church Hall, served from Friday the 25th until Monday the 28th, from noon until 4pm on each of those four days, with proceeds divided between Bride Parish Church and a local charity. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine with a mix of easy listening music and your requests and dedications, and I'd love you to join me if you can. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. (laughs) 